Hey guys, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the show. So glad you're here. What do you know about the jojoba plant or jojoba oil? You might have seen that word um, on different products, J-O-J-O-B-A. I had only heard of it, didn't know a lot about it. Come to find out, the jojoba plant is this awesome kind of wonder plant or wonder nut, if you will, that offers a whole bunch of benefits to um, us as humans, our humans, uh, our skin, and our, our health. But it's a product that emulates the waxiness of our skin, the sebum that our skin puts out. It's only one of the few things um, in the world that matches our, I guess, direct makeup of, our, of that sebum that we put out in our skin. Pure jojoba, or jojoba in general, is moisturizing. It's antibacterial. It's an antioxidant. It um, helps control acne. It's great with wrinkles, great with cracked skin, chapped lips, soothing sunburns, and so on and so forth. And so today, my guest is Kirk Ehrenstam. He is the farmer and lead shepherd at Pure Jojoba, a brand here in California that's doing a certified organic product, um, offering a nice product that is, you know, sort of managed transparently from seed to finished product. It's a vertical supply chain, you know, kind of crafted in small batches. And Kirk is the master craftsman over there. It's a multi-generation business and uh, in the show today we talk about the ups and downs of being a farmer and obviously you know what the benefits are of jojoba and what the benefits of being a farmer and independent business person are and what sort of what some of the setbacks are and what some of the struggles that he is up against but it's fascinating show learning so much about the product learning about the process of farming out in the sonoran desert and uh Hope you're into it as much as I am, but the team at Pure Jojoba is offering a 15% discount code, so if you're inspired to go make a purchase, check out their website at purejoba.com and enter the code the underswell one word, and that'll get you a 15% discount off your next purchase or your first purchase there at Pure Jojoba. So... Um, Check it out. Enjoy the show. All the notes from the things we talked about, any links and images. He's got some cool graphics explaining sort of the process um, and some some things to learn. Those will all be in the show notes on the blog post. But we talked about um, Kirk's transition from a graphics man and a marketing guy to a farmer and how the farm was passed on to him by his father and how he's passing it on to his kids. And... Um, really committed to sustainable and organic farming and working with his farmers and creating a good community out there in the desert. So lots of stuff that I learned um, from a really amazing product and just a really cool story for somebody who's really passionate about crafting fine products and delivering a, um, an A-grade product directly to you. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Underswell Podcast, news, stories, brand insights, product reviews, all to help you navigate the complexities of sustainability in your modern lifestyle. As I like to say, business can be done better, and in some cases it is. I'm Derek Sabori, I'm your host, and hey, it's just sustainability. Let's dive in to today's episode. Um, I'm here, Derek Sabori. We're on the Underswell podcast radio show. 
And I'm here today with my guest, Kirk Aronstam of Pure Jojoba. Kirk, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for what being here. What a pleasure here. to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. We've got a great, um, we've got an entourage here with you. You've got your daughters <laughs> here. Part, it's a family business. We've got your marketing team. We've got inter- intern um, Dylan here. So uh, we've got a great crew. Rah-rah. So rah-rah. Yeah, so we're looking at I'm excited because I, don't, I didn't know a lot about jojoba. And you are um, you're a farmer. You're the lead shepherd at the company Pure Jojoba. So we're going to dive in and get into that and learn about what you guys do. But the jojoba plant, as I'm learning, is native to North America. And I've, I've learned that being native somewhere is different than actually producing it and turning it into a, a product. That's very that true. That's very true. It's a shrub. Um, it's a wonder plant. It's got all these sorts of great attributes. Um, um, it, it soothes dry skin, it helps eczema, it hydrates and moisturizes, wound care, it's an anti-aging wax, if you will. So maybe you can um, break it down for us. So tell us, before we dive in too far, what are we even talking about here? What is the jojoba plant or seed? The jojoba seed is a, a, a native seed down there in southern Arizona, parts of Mexico, um, that is half wax. It's a liquid wax. And the jojoba that we extract from these seeds is a liquid wax. Looks like oil. Everybody calls it oil, but it's really a wax. It's a wax. And that's kind of the journey. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, the, so jojoba, um, like you said, it's a wax. And it's, uh, what I've learned, though, it's, it's a good sustainable product, though. And it's a sustainable substitute. I'm interested in the history of it. What, what was the jojoba plant originally a substitute for, at least in the common marketplace here? Well, the whole reason we got involved in it in the 80s was it was a substitute for whale oil. And when I say that, in a whale, in a sperm whale, there's a sack of oil called spermaceti. And a whale has about 200 gallons of spermaceti oil in its frontal lobe. And um, this is probably worth forty or $50,000. Per eight, whale. Per whale. So Jeez. that's what makes whaling so attractive. Yeah. In the 70s, uh, chemists found this weird native plant in Arizona that actually had a seed that, when you extracted the oil, it had similar characteristics to whale oil. So at that point in time, uh, the government got involved with the help of some farmers to make growing jojoba an option because it's too expensive to grow and we needed help. And if you want to stop killing whales, this is a great solution. And today, you know, this is 30 years later. I figured it out the other day. We save about 12 whales a year. Jeez. That's got to feel <laughs> it's good. Not, well, sort of. It's sad because that's really probably a small number, but at least it's something. Yeah. You know. Uh, and, and so your dad purchased the land out there in the, in the he, desert. He needed the financial incentive. Also, he loved farming, or the concept of it. Okay. Uh, but he needed, he had the opportunity because of the government tax incentives to redirect his funds into growing the jojoba, which I think if they hadn't done that, we probably wouldn't see any farms here mm. in the United States anymore. Well, and even talking to you kind of before we started recording, I mean, it's, it's no easy task and sort of let you have some great charts on what your yields have been. I mean, yeah, farming a, is not a consistent, never easy consistent. job, right? Luckily, we don't have any pests. That's the cool thing about jojoba. Something in the leaf keeps most pests away. So we don't have a fertilizer or a, a, a 
you know, we don't have to kill the predators. Yeah. Which kind of keeps the poisons down. That's why we can do it organically. Do you, okay, which is good to know. So it's an, it's a, it's a crop that We've is. We've always been organic. We, we didn't get certified organic until uh, 2012. But uh, we've never put uh, pesticides or we, we've tested fertilizers once or twice, but the native plant does well without fertilizer. So we'll just till back in some of the leaves that we extract when we're harvesting. We'll till those back into the soil or we'll compost them and then put the compost back on the ground. But we pretty much don't put any inputs into the field other than what's naturally there. Which is really nice. And that's why I was drawn to the, the product and I was turned on to the um, to your product to pure jojoba by Dylan's um, blog post that he did on the on the blog for thank us. You, so, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Dylan. But I'm really intrigued because um, I've heard the word and I've seen it in products, but I just never I never dabbled in it. And it sounds like maybe jojoba. Jojoba. It's uh, yeah, a lot of people yeah, call it. And Dylan actually corrected me. It's like it's jojoba. I'm like okay, it could be. We, uh, I, you know, it's funny. That's a new branding opportunity. That's a new branding jojoba. Jojoba. <laughs> So how long has Pure Jojoba been around, um, and, and how long have you been farming? Well, we started in the 80s, the late 80s. It wasn't until 2000 that I realized what it was. And then uh, by 2012, I realized that I needed to be able to crush my own seeds and sell the finished product. What was that, what was that point there when you realized that? Well, the farms were inefficient because of the way they were planted. And our yields are low, too low to fund what's necessary to keep the farms alive. So the only way I could see, I mean, we could certainly plant newer technologies. I mean, first off, understand when we planted originally, more than half the trees were male. And the male plants don't yield any seed. So right off the bat, we're watering half our fields with no yield so mm-hmm. on the newer fields what we're doing is we're, we're putting a 93 to 7 ratio of males to females on that or, females on that, to males on that original crop did you know what you were getting no, into what you man, were, we so just it's a wanted learned. to save whales yeah <laughs> it was strictly about let's get these seeds in the ground and give them water and then we had no idea how to sell them or luckily at the time there were seed buyers that knew what to do with jojoba but Again, we're such a small operation down there that nobody really wanted to help crush the seeds. So that's that was why I got involved. Because I knew that if I had oil, I could go market it. And really, that's what Pure Hope is about, is a way of getting what we grow, marketing it so people find us. Yeah. And that's all this is. And speaking of marketing, is that what you, I think I heard this, but what did you do before you became a farmer, before you started slinging jojoba? Well, I've always been slinging jojoba, but for my meal ticket, I've been in the advertising print industry. Uh, We've done uh, large format printing for a lot of stores. Okay. Uh, That's where Kathleen and I met early in the 80s, working with Depp Hair Products and Freeman Cosmetics and... I remember Depp hair products. Did you? I think uh, I used some. Your well, marketing work, I think I, I might have used some. LA and now look what it's done. The gel, yeah. yeah. Well, the jojoba won't do any more for your hair than oh, the Depp gel did. So. <laughs> but so what, where did you, I guess, where did you see yourself career-wise before you, you landed here? I mean, you saw yourself then as an ad man then, kind of printing, well, marketing. Well, you know, I inherited it. So it's kind of, I wanted to carry on the legacy. But I didn't realize how important jojoba was as a natural ingredient for people. Yeah. Until I started selling it and hearing the stories back from my customers. It's like, you know, oh, thank you, I got my hands back. Those are weird comments, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
And is it mostly for people, um, I mean, for ailments? Is people helping, you know, it's helping with ailments that they have, health issues? If you have an issue where your skin doesn't produce its own oil. Which and you Eczema. What is that oil that, that our skin produces? Our skin oil is called sebum. Sebum. And chemically, it's a wax, which what's unique about it is it doesn't break down. So what your skin produces is a product that... You know, under, it doesn't, you know, understand moisturizing is the act of keeping moisture from leaving. And that's why your skin produces sebum. You can't really add moisture to the outside of your skin. All the moisture's got to come from what you drink or eat. What your main objective is, is to keep it from leaving. So that's why other oils work, like coconut and olive oil, because they're occlusionary. They cover the skin. But jojoba, because it's a wax and it's identical to what your skin produces, it's absorbed. And then what isn't absorbed occludes or covers the skin. So if you can, you know, you can put it on and not feel it because it's been absorbed. If you put on a little more, all of a sudden you'll notice a, after four or five hours, there's a little, if you notice it, it's on your skin. But that's, you don't need that much. Yeah, and I did a little test before the show, and it does, you know, it feels kind of, you feel the waxiness at first, then immediately it just kind of blends in with your skin and, and feels really dry and really... But if you oh, added nice. more, all of a sudden it would build up. So I use it as a protectant because I always wear shorts every day. And yeah. I'm, and I'm always getting, if I'm in the fields, I'm getting stung by something. And the whole hope is a wonder, especially if you add a little lavender to it, it's a wonderful bug repellent. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned, so you showed me some chart, um, charts before we started, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that um, the jojoba is similar to our sebum. And you showed me some molecular makeup of it, and mm-hmm. you compared it to whale oil. And um, there are only three things on the planet with that chemical structure: it's the skin sebum, whale oil, and jojoba. Jeez. Everything else is a triglyceride. And so you, you've heard that word triglyceride. That's, yeah. that's a normal fat. Well, a monoglyceride, or what the jojoba is, is a wax. Wow. It's different. And that's why it's sought after in all the cosmetics. I mean, all the fine cosmetics and perfumes use a form of jojoba. Yeah, where would, we find, where would we find it at? What kind of products would we find it in? Shampoos? Well, they do. Or? That's kind of a, an oxymoron to put jojoba in a shampoo because you're washing it out. You know, it is mm. detergent sensitive. It might be better in a conditioner. Okay. Especially if... Actually, you, Christy, you probably don't even... You just apply it to your hair. You don't even put it in your conditioner. So, uh, so you can all, you could just leave it in your hair if you want. And that was some of the earliest uses of it. It, it sounds like is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, skin issues mainly, and hair it definitely helps. Um, how yeah. about so? I, I want to dive back a little bit more, even just into your personal history a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, even going into the print formatting, and um, mm-hmm. but how about how about school? I guess I was like, like, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Because I'm always well, I was a macroeconomics major at the University of California, San Diego. And, and then um, a friend of mine had a business. He had just started uh, selling wall decor and asked if I'd come on board. And I left school after five years to go pursue that business, which was graphics, because I'm a photographer from the beginning. Mm. And uh, we ended up selling two or three million prints to J.C. Penney's and Treasury and all throughout the country, a old sepia tone, 1900 series photos that, uh, that was quite a fun ride. Yeah. And then from that, the graphics, I left that business and I had a screen printing business. I've always done it pretty much 
by myself. You know what I mean? I've never really had a job, so it's kind of made doing the farm a little easier because <laughs> it, it's like no job you've ever had. <laughs> right, and it's just uh, it's just up to you. I mean, yeah. you got to get out there and, and well, my and my things. really my part of it more is the processing and getting a finished product okay you know i have a group out there at the farm that takes care of it and they've they actually were there when we originally set the fields up 40 30 years ago and when everybody went bankrupt uh, we retained them the five investors that were left out there and we kept them on to help and made them their own company and so they have a management company that actually manages my farms Ah. which kind of takes the burden off and i the, i released the burden a little more i let my brother handle all the the top end of that because my function is to get it to people yeah and you and know get us known we we need people to understand how valuable this is and so it's a family endeavor though so i mean there's the, oh, my brother and his family and my brother's partner's family they're all crazy it's fun and the farmers the family mom mom has cancer right now but I think she's doing okay. Oh, it's hard to hear so, that. So, but you know, we're all rooting. We all feel it, you know. And how about being out in the desert? So, where'd you originally grow up, and what's it like? Because uh, you guys, I was first a of all, military and brat. So military brat. Yeah. Every three years, I was somewhere else. <laughs> so, the farm, uh, they've, uh, I've been all over. So, I've never. I missed the question, dude. I was just wondering where you where you originally came from, and if because uh, do you spend a lot of time out in the desert now that the farms? I out go there? every two weeks, every three two weeks. weeks, and I go. I'll walk a field or two each time. Okay, and, and I always have lunch or I bring. You know, we have such great oranges out here in California. I I always take fifty pounds of oranges, and of course now we're getting those huge avocados, and I love showing up with those because it just they can't believe what's coming out of California. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and how many, so how big is your, how big is each farm out there? I mean, how big, you show me the plots. We're running totally, uh, each one of those is uh, 40 acres, and 40 there's, acres. Uh, um, uh, I think we run eight now, seven or eight of them. We used to have nine. I think we're down to eight, eight 40-acre parcels. Okay. And, and they're owned by four different groups of people. And one thing I didn't realize, I mean, it's an international business. I mean, that, that's a commodity item that people are seeking from all over the world, right? Oh, it's it's big time. You know, we passed our genetics on to uh, the Israelis and the Argentinians who came in to visit our farms, and we sold them clones, and that's pretty much what makes up their fields, our clones from Arizona. Really? And they grow effectively very well in both locations, but uh, uh, I'd love to do a chemical analysis from country to country to see if there is a difference, but a thousand bucks a whack, it's pretty hard to... What do you think? Go what's, have fun. What's you know. your gut say? You think well, I, I'm sure there is a difference in the lipid content. You know, there's uh, five or six different lipids in there that uh, make up the wax, and uh, I bet there is a variance. You know, some of the I notice when I make it, there's different. If you separate it and use a centrifugal filter, you can get different grades of hold out. So yeah, it has interesting. I love the thicker, heavier. Uh, molecules of fat that's in there and that's why I don't over filter my jojoba so I read somewhere in a blog post they compared you to a, a winemaker I mean is, is, is pressing <laughs> that's because I don't bring enough cheese because I wine all the time <laughs> <laughs> but I mean as you're making your product though you're paying that much attention oh, to I it, right? clean every seed I, I actually when the, they come in and bins to me in 2,000 pound bins and I sit there and I take out 15 pounds at a time and I sort through the seeds and I take out what I don't like and then those go into a bin where I wash them, 
which is kind of fun. I mean, I actually turned this whole thing into my, my exercise routine. Mm. So the first three hours every day, I'm moving 2,000 pounds of seeds up and down, in and out. You know, it's a great workout. You know, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, people probably think it's a bit primitive, but uh, I kind of like it. The well, old maybe, school way. Maybe walk us through that primitive way. I mean, even just the process in general. I mean, you've got a shrub, the shrub. Well, we grow it. It 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 uh, uh, falls to the earth when it's ready. Okay. And our plan originally was to determine which plants dropped at the right time. I mean, there's so many. When you're looking at the genetics of a plant, it's... Uh, how many plants can make it through the frost? What plants do well in super hot? So we're trying to test different varieties because now we've genetically split everything up. We know where the plants came from. And uh, we're trying to find a seed, a plant that will yield repetitively through those downtimes and not be frost, and be frost tolerant as well. So... Uh, once those once those seeds well, once drop. the seeds drop so our originally you know finding getting the trees to drop sort of within a, a four month range was critical you know we can't be harvesting repetitive every time you send a tractor down the field it's killer cost yeah so we try to get it so we we harvest from about the end of august till about the end of november august september yeah about four months we harvest and so what i try to do is as it's coming off the trees uh it falls to the ground and we vacuum it up. And then we take, we have these giant vacuum cleaners on tractors. It's kind of cool. It blows dirt everywhere. It's, <laughs> we're going to change that over time, but it, it is kind of funny to watch right now. That could be the most primitive part of our operation. And the vacuumers. <laughs> yeah, we blow a cloud of some dirt into the air. It's just terrible. But the end product is taken from the fields then in bins to our uh, sorters and air shakers. And the seeds are dropped into a shaker bed, you know, conveyor belted in, dropped on a shaker bed. And all the stones are separated as it's coming up the conveyor belt. All the twigs and everything are being blown off. And we end up, after three times through this machine, with a, a, a semi-decent box of seeds that then I get. Okay. And I drive out there every two weeks and I pick up two boxes myself. Uh, so I go through about uh, uh, two tons a month of seeds. Jeez. Which is not a lot because we grow, you know, uh, 20 tons to 40 tons, right? But for me, that, that keeps my customers supplied all year long. So what we've developed is a way to store the seeds so that we don't really press the soil until somebody buys it. Ah. You know what I mean? It's like so it doesn't, somebody asked me the other day, well, do you store it in plastic? I said, that stuff is only here for about 12 minutes. I don't really know what it's stored in, but it goes through so quick. It, so I that's mean, all. It, get, it just stays in the nut form until you're ready to go. And then when I, and now I got it down so that I can go from seed to finished product in about three days. Wow. And totally filtered bacteria free. You know, so this is. Uh, for me, and you know, I come from the art industry, or the, and for me, everything was on demand. So I've tried to bring that to Jojoba, where let's not. The the model was weird for me. You know, they everybody go in, you spend all this money in August, and then you don't see any money till February or March. And I was like, dude, let's just press this stuff all year long and stabilize the financial yeah. curve. I love that when you that's come where that macroeconomics came in there it's like go. no we got to stabilize the curve here this is messed up well and coming in with a fresh set of eyes is always good you know well, you ignorant put... eyes is the best right right <laughs> blind eyes You're like, wait a minute guys yeah yeah you, when you don't feel the pain it's a lot easier to 
And yeah. so for, how about the pressing part? Explain that a little bit. That's kind of this... fun. That's the part I enjoy the okay. most because um, it's beautiful German equipment that uh, actually is a screw inside a chamber that just crushes the seed as it's going through. So, uh, and what are you left with once it's crushed? Well, you got uh, uh, when I crush it, forty six percent of it is oil, fifty four percent is meal, what we call meal, yeah. and it, it we take that back to the farm and grind it into the soil back and recompost it. Okay, we find that composting the leaves and the cuttings from the trees are a better source of nitrogen than our meal is. Mm. We used to sell the meal to the dairy farms. But in jojoba is a diet suppressant, which is strange. Uh, it's called Simonzin, and we were giving it to the cattle, and the cattle were starving. Interesting. Because what's left is mostly protein with some carbohydrates. Once you extract the oil, what you're, you, know, you take the, the oil out of a peanut, you're left with protein. Same so, thing with jojoba. You're left so protein is left, but the protein's tainted with this diet suppressant to a point where when the cattle eat it, they stop eating food. So now that the Swedes have patented uh, uh, the extraction method and the FDA's, they're trying to run it through FDA for approval. You know, another twenty years maybe we'll see a to be what as a diet a suppressant, diet suppressant. It, for us it, humans. Yeah, it'll, it, there's some issues with it. So uh, don't go out eating jojoba seeds because okay, right. I'm reading stories of uh, swollen <laughs> livers and all sorts of things in rats. So it's not a consumable yet. But the concept is, it was sad for us to find out that way. You know that we were starving cattle. Yeah, yeah. We immediately switched them back. So to you're their saving the whales food. only to kill cattle. Yeah, yeah. We didn't kill any, thank God, <laughs> but kidding. we came close and pissed yeah. off a lot of farmers. Let me tell you. So w- once you press it and you've got that oil, you've got the meal and the well, oil. Then we got to filter it. You got to filter the oil. Yeah. How do you? And is, is it cold filtered? It's What's all the cold, cold filtered. Oh, cold. That was that's always a misnomer. Yeah, you know? I want to get cold to filtering, cold pressing. I'm sorry to scream. Is uh, really relates to olive oil and soft products. Okay. The minute you crush a nut. You're adding heat. So, you know, understand that our seeds grow at 120 degrees temperature in the summer. So I take them up to about 140 degrees. Well, real cold pressing is 110. But you can't achieve cold pressing on a seed. There's no way to physically crush it without getting energy out. Interesting. Okay. Right? So, yeah. so but the trick is, is not to get the hot you go over 140 degrees you can start changing the properties of the oil so we're constantly monitoring the temperatures we make this stuff because we don't and, it, and the reason it heats up is is the seed has different moisture contents and moisture in a seed is what is the lubricant in the press so if a dry seed comes through it heats up the press and the press will go up 10 degrees so we got to shut the volume down the speed down to compensate for the drier seed Wow. But now that we're washing seeds, we're able to actually control the moisture level of the seed going into the press. So I'm seeing a lot less of that headache. Interesting. You know, we're getting our ranges right in line, so we're smooth flow, best yield. But, you know, that's 10 years of pressing oil. I'm finally figuring this out. You know, it, You're it's, the mat- yeah. it's like, you know, I was stupid. I bought a press and thought I was going to squeeze oil, and I think I burned the first 50 gallons. But know? the press so, is different than the filtering. Filtering separate. I, I, I've tried many methods, and, and now... Uh, we use a, a filter bag initially, uh, a repetitive time, so that the walls of the filter build up with the meal. And then it actually filters the oil down to less than a micron. But bacteria exists in most products, and bacteria sizes are from 0.2 micron up. So the last stage, we run it through a 2 micron filter, 
uh, we push it through. And then uh, uh, the last step is I add the ultraviolet light for just a 30 seconds. A little flash? It runs through a, a, just as water does. And what does that do? Is that just one just more? Just kills any. I just want, just I want bacteria free. Safest product. Because mm-hmm. what you get off the fields in the stores, that nobody's tested it for bacteria. Yeah. I mean, I was only did it because the lab person I worked with said, you know, you got to check for this and want mm-hmm. an eye opener. And so that's what I love too. And that's what I loved about your story and your product though, is you're getting a product and you don't often get this that is coming from farm to finished packaged product. I mean, it's, you know, it's of course in our edibles that we eat and fruits and vegetables straight directly from the farmer, but for a product that's on the shelf and it comes in a bottle, you don't get that. No. So it's a really cool story to know that this product when you buy pure jojoba is coming directly from the farm, from you pressing it, bottling it and testing it and, and killing all the bacteria and making sure that it's safe and, and healthy for you. Because I use right? it. <laughs> there we go. And your family uses it. Every, yeah. And your dogs use it. My dogs use it now, too. <laughs> That's a funny thing, isn't it? Yeah, so we've got, um, I've got a little samples here. Is the Pooch Putty, uh, Pooch Putty, is that available on the market now? Oh, yeah. Now Everything's already. available on Amazon yeah. or directly through our website, okay. PureHojoba. So you've got, it's, it's good for humans. It's good for, for dogs. And what's nice about the dog product is it's tested on humans, which is good. Which is good. Uh, uh-huh. And I don't know why you're not continuing to say saving the whales on this. <laughs> you know, the big reason is, is very few people understand the molecular makeup of jojoba. Yeah. And really, if you don't understand that, you'd never understand why it's beneficial. Right. To then it would just look like another bottle on the shelf. No, I'm fascinated by, by it's that. It's like deal. the reality of what you put on your skin. I mean, Christy did a research on all our competitors and what's actually in the products and you know, did we find any that were safe? I mean, this is scary. Jeez. We're organic. I eat organic. Yeah. Can't tell by my size, but there's some great organic peanuts that? out there. Yeah, Let me right? tell you. <laughs> yeah, no. um, and so I want to know too, then how about the learning curve then? Because all this, like you said, you've been doing it for so many years, you start to fine tune it and craft your it, art constantly what were those some of the biggest lessons that you've learned you know transforming into a farmer and running a family business and how many setbacks did you have and i'm, I'm a real fan <laughs> of just the stories of perseverance and what it takes to to have a business like this what is it it's uh, been the toughest road we've ever walked i think graphics was far easier yeah, you know, uh, this is different. You ever want to You're go back? Totally, uh, you ever want to go back to graphics? Do you just no, some days? I, like... I really there was a point in in the graphics industry where I no longer wanted to draw for other people. Mm. You know what I mean? Because everybody was making huge successes off of the work we were doing, and we got nothing. That's not right. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of why I wanted to have my own brand. It's like, well, no, if we're going to create art, let's do it for ourselves. Yeah. And Kathleen's part of the team, so. That's where her involvement is now. Yeah. So she, how, she wants to change it all. <laughs> <laughs> the whole look and feel of the brand. So the whole look and feel may change before your very eyes. So there you go. Get get your, your pure jojoba. Yeah, get the original while you have a now. chance. Yeah. Keep it on the shelf. That's the other cool thing. This stuff has an, it has an infinite shelf life, essentially. Legally, we can say three years. But okay. uh, they've told me, the lab people at Adamson have told me that you can recertify your jojoba up to three times. Jeez. So if I had a barrel of jojoba sitting on the shelf that I tagged in this year, in 2021 I could tag it again, and in 2024 I could tag it again and still be selling the stuff from trees that I harvested 10 years ago. Which is really cool. 
Well, it, sort of, but that don't happen. We're, we're, you're moving through it. We're, selling this, we're selling what grew last week. Well, the know? more I learn about it, the more I'm, I'm impressed with it. But, yeah. I, but I do want to kind of go back to sure, how hard you said it was, you know, some of the, the toughest road. and, and it's The biggest to... problems we've had were water costs mm. the, and the farming costs. You know, to the amount of equipment we were going through, the tractors, the trucks, the uh, the expense of fuel to run the, I mean, our water bill is a quarter million dollars a year. Gosh. You know, and, and that was 500 when I started. I think this year we're down to under 150,000. But that's that's taken a lot of revenue from people that survive because of that out there. And you are growing, and I and I mentioned it. I said, "Hey, well, it's a native well, plant, though, right?" And you kind of corrected me. It's like it's native, but but well, I mean, you're growing native, a crop in a, we're, in a we're, desert we're, area. Yeah, we're we're trying to. Uh, uh, what's the term they use for that when you uh, be responsible, sustainable, efficient? No, it's, it, we're trying to make the plant produce enough to make it cost effective. Got it. And by nature, there's only we get like two and a half inches of rain down there. So, and we've done great experiments with the Lush and other folks on how to collect water when it rains. And we're, we're dreaming about putting in an ecosystem down there that we all question whether it'll work or not because it's so dry down there. Mm. But yet when it rains, the water runs four feet down the streets deep. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it settles into the aquifer. Uh, there's tons of water there that we can pull up. But... Uh, uh, the native part is, yeah, it's native, and the trees that we probably have and the seeds we have on our fields probably came from within a radius of five miles of where we're at from native trees. But, no, we give them water. I think we water 210 days a year. Wow. Now, an almond tree would use about three times as much water as we do. I think I figured the other day it takes 3,000 gallons of water to make a gallon of jojoba. So it's seriously weird in that sense. Yeah, but and that's but all. the water goes back in the ground. Yeah, I mean I'm not. That's that's right. You know, we bring it up to a foot and a half. We we don't surface water. We water below the surface a foot and a half, so the water never gets to where it can evaporate. And it's not you're not creating wastewater. We um, have no waste. Yeah, water. so that's that's a. And now we're actually individually watering every tree, with uh, multiple heads, and it's reduced our water again. You know the the. The infrastructure of moving water has been our biggest headache. Really? Yeah. And then keeping everybody alive out there with revenue. You know, uh, uh, there was, and when we were selling seeds, there was never enough money. And then the economy got a little bit more expensive, and then there really wasn't enough money. So the only solution was for us was to crush our own seeds and sell it. Because we needed the extra revenue just to keep the farms alive. But it's... To go create a brand and have people love your product, that's a long-term of, of, uh, deal. Yeah. No, I you always... know, and it, it's, I'm just trying to keep everybody alive. Well, and what, what, do people, <laughs> what might people not know about the farming community out there and in general? I mean, that's kind of a behind-the-scenes you know, community that we don't always... It's, not, it's sad. It's not, it used to be a thriving community mm-hmm. when there was four or 5,000 acres going. But now that we're down to under 400 acres, it's... it's uh, Delmonte's out there growing some fruit and vegetables, but the climate's really tough, uh, really harsh. And the the dirt is slightly salty, and jojoba likes that, so it makes it a perfect crop. I think dates do real well down there, too. Um, huge date farms around us. Has anything changed over the last few uh, years out there? 
Well, we notice a lot of people from other countries coming in, buying up land to grow products to take back to their countries mm. because it's cheaper to grow it here and use our water than it is to grow it there and use their water. Even after packaging it up, yes. shipping it back and taking it wherever you need, yeah, it's still And that cheaper. depletes our water supply. And it's kind of odd that it's almost like a should be a national security issue that you can come in here and and grow things utilizing our free water because America water's free. Yeah, it's weird. That is uh, weird. And, and we all question it because we watch the water table change. You're watching it go wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> alfalfa for horses, and but then what are we growing? We're just. I think the jojoba is a good product because it actually helps people. Yeah. The alfalfa that feeds a cow. I, to me, I'm not a meat fan. So, what are we doing to this planet? Right. You know. Yeah, no, I'm with you on I'm that. I'm sorry. No, you don't have to be sorry with me. You're in the you're in the you're in the right crowd. We can go like, on to the, uh, the, the meat hell? topic on the on the next show. Um, but in, in even how as far as change out there too, you mentioned just some weather or weather patterns changing. I mean, are you seeing the effects of climate change out there? And in, in oh, we've seen increased heat for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. So yeah. increased heat. Means in, in one sense, it's good because we don't get the frost. But you don't know. You know, God has His mysterious ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think climate change is real, but could we have a frost this year? Yeah, that's a real possibility. Right. And that means I lose a half a million bucks. Well, and that's a big... <laughs> it's and that's it's a big, like a... It's <laughs> a window because you get no yield, no well, seeds. And that's the thing with climate change, right? It's just the unpredictability of it all. You just really never know what's coming. It's not as no. consistent and reliable as Well, at least farming is. isn't consistent to start with, so you have sure. half a chance because oh, you're, you're already trained <laughs> to be ready for <laughs> the worst. But uh, I, and I wonder too I, as the dryness has made it harder. We're consuming more water because of the heat. Yeah, yeah. You know, I see that as being a long-term problem out there. I bet absolutely, and and especially for California. And I mean, what about the yeah. politics of water out there? Do you get do you, do you feel that? Like, where does the water come from? Who owns the water? We, this, Are we in risk of? Is that something we want to talk about? Uh, our water is from our aquifer directly below us. Okay. So yeah, there are issues with the Gila River being owned by the Indians and does water flow uphill this is a current court battle I'm having oh boy no water doesn't flow uphill but for some reason I've been in court 30 years over that still, fact. Geez, still trying to prove that <laughs> yeah no they're still trying to I don't know why but anyway <laughs> so it never goes anywhere and uh, mostly the wear and tear on the people and the equipment too because of the desert living yeah that yeah. desert's tough out there you know nothing nothing stays the same very long at all mm. You know, I redo signage all the time. We do. <laughs> yes. It's intense. It's intense. Yeah. Um, and how, sustainability-wise, I mean, you've talked a little bit about what it, what it takes to grow and harvest, but it sounds like it's a, it's a simple crop that just needs water. It's way simple. Water yeah. and sunshine. And, and love, weeding. I mean, that's, that weeding. is our other big nightmare is because we don't use pesticides. we got to manually weed. And I think that's what I want to make sure people understand that because a lot of times I don't think people understand why what the benefits are of something being labeled as organic. I mean, you have to get a certified organic, but that also means, yeah, you're doing a lot of manual work. You can't just go and spray your crops with no. synthetic fertilizers no. and pesticides. And No, and you have to be transparent about it. I right. mean, everybody knows what I put on my fields because I have to have logs and the logs are reviewed. You know, my, my payables are reviewed to see where I buy my product and I have to match what I grow with what I sell. I mean, these are being organic is, is about transparency. Is that an, that's an added burden for you though too, right? Is it an it's added, totally co it's an added, added burden, cost, but it, it makes the product more valuable. Yeah. I mean, if you know that that product's safe, that's worth it. 
And I think that's a big part I mean, of it. I had, I hadn't met with a, someone the other day that didn't think pesticides was a problem. And, you know, now that pesticides are showing up in the blood of children who eat cereal, because it's in every wheat product or soy product we have, you know, yes, it can get into your skin through jojoba if you're spraying it for weed control. So they hate me down there because I won't let them use any of it. But, you know, but you stand at- when you have a 30-acre weed problem and you got to send 20 people out for two months to solve it, that's a financial burden. But know. it's worth it to you. So how long have it's you guys totally been certified organic? We've since 2012. Awesome. And that's real certification. We've actually yeah. done the same practices all along. But, mm. uh, but uh, we, in order to be recognized, we needed the paperwork. And, and people, really that was just the transparency part. Nobody was prepared for the amount of paperwork we have to do. And what do you, what do you want people, customers, to know about that certification when they see that USDA stamp on there? Um, I mean, I think you're saying it, but, you know, as you speak directly it's to customers. It's pretty real. It's pretty real. I mean, to get the seal and to be able to use it, I mean, I have to be approved with every label I have, which means they know everything that's in, they know every ingredient and where every ingredient I use comes from. Beyond, like one of my essential oils in our blends are butters. You know, every product that's in there has to be registered and accounted for. Yeah, so you've got to have full transparency. So luckily I got the accounting background. I got the graphics background. To Really, that's what this business takes is, you, one of the questions you had was uh, relative to farming. What, what's the most important part? It's selling the product. Everybody is a worker bee. Yeah, yeah. It's selling a seller the bee is what it's all about. And in order to keep the farms alive, you've got to be a seller bee. So no matter what farm you own, you've got to embrace getting out there and selling it. So do you enjoy that part? Do you enjoy being I love it. it. Well, it's a great product, so it makes it very easy, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm not selling something that's made up or fake. Are, let's say, oh, I don't know, I want to say competitors, because sometimes that's hard to talk about, but are, are other brands in the industry or products like this, are they as transparent and vertical as you are? Or I would imagine a lot of them might be buying from you, but when you're buying a product, are they often as, as that complete transparency in their supply chain like you have? Well, I'm so small that probably, no, I doubt they're as transparent as yeah. I am. Cause but I think that's my, ma- my whole thing fits on a page, you know. But, but I can imagine now chemicals, if they're going through, you know, half a million tons of oil and product, that's got to be a significantly difficult thing to account for. Yeah, absolutely. And I question how much goes under the table. Mm. You yeah. know, you being organic, you can see the options where people could cheat and I, I can't imagine doing it but I can see that it is not a well regulated thing yeah yeah and those of us that choose to regulate ourselves are the ones that are going to make it worthwhile does your product end up costing more on the shelf than, um, than no, conventional because I don't have any distributors because I'm the one that takes it to the stores or I send it to mail it to you yeah no I don't I am competitive well, this uh, is it a sustainable business model? Like, can you scale this up and even even more to in the future, the way it is now? Or do you have? To- yes, I know we can. It is purely by delivering uh, products like these, yeah, to people that we can grow it. To sell it in bulk or to sell it as seeds, that model is dead. Got it. Well, and, I, and you've, you've got some samples here on the table that we're all kind of surrounded in. They, they, they look great. They smelled great. I put them on. I can't wait to put some on my on my dog Jetty. I'm gonna try the pooch putty. Put them on my kids um, as they're struggling with. Now acne. you know the the pooch putty works because the 
the nose on a dog and the paws and the elbows of a dog have sebaceous glands just like we do as humans. Yeah, I didn't know that. And because of that, wax is a natural solution for them. And I think that part's real. I'm going to put those graphics that you've got. We're going to put that on the, in the show notes so people can kind of see the mono. The monoglyceride, how do I say it? Monoglyceride. Monoglyceride versus the triglyceride molecular structure. And it's just that connection that, and I think that helped explain too why we use whale oil or why we did, Mm -hmm. because it replicated the the way our skin works. That's absolutely why it was accepted Yeah. and sought after. Didn't know that. Yeah, and that's totally, and that's kind of what drove us. When When we saw whales being wasted for this reason, we were like, what's going on? And we can grow it. Let's go figure this out. I, I think my dad was as naive about growing as I am about processing. You know, it takes us 10 years. And that's why Christy's here, because I suspect this is a three-generation business. <laughs> Did your, your dad knew, though, when he bought the land that he was going into farm. He bought it specifically for jojoba because of the, of the whale ban. Is that right? What, yeah, what was, it was his it, it spark? Was, it was, the spark was, yeah, he definitely was concerned with whales. Uh, uh, we're all sailors, and we love the ocean. So that part was uh, already built in. All right. Yeah. But the whales came first, and then that prompted him to buy the land? The whales happened. The, the, the tax, you know, it was an investor group in New York started soliciting okay. groups of people to invest in this Got wild it. new product. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And they, they took the time uh, to, with the, uh, Purcell, who's the other family farmer here. Uh, Chip is the son, and the old man was the one who went to Congress and got the law changed. Or got a law written, or however that occurred, yep. so that it would be beneficial for us to divert funds into Hoho, because otherwise it's a totally profitless business. Without that initial tax incentive to start it, there wouldn't be any here. Problem was, there was nobody marketing the stuff, or nobody understood the frequency of, of harvest well enough to keep them alive. And then once the customers left, all those fields left. Are there still incentives in place or subsidies in place for the for the plant? No. How? So I'm looking at Dylan here, my intern. If he decides, you know what, this sounds great. I want to go be a farmer. What incentives are there for young people to well, go out and get into this if, business? If you were to plant a, a 40 acre parcel with uh, four thousand trees, and you planted them in such a way that the majority of them were female, um, you could probably get a yield of 500 plus pounds an acre and we're in a 200 to 300 pound an acre yield well at 500 pounds an acre you're coining money so but the problem is you got to wait seven to ten years before that money coins and that seven to ten years costs about you know on a 40 acre parcel that's easy uh 50 grand a year 50 60 grand a year just to run that parcel just to water it and harvest and maintain it and harvest it. I will say though, from experience, that's really no different than starting up any other company. No, no, it's no. A Ten-year-old no, overnight 600, success. It's you know? six hundred grand, and you got to wait. And then yeah. your first year, you know, you, you might break even. And <laughs> then it's like so eleven, twelve by thirteen and fourteen. All of a sudden, you're making money. But the real thing is, unless you got a customer, and this is, I think, mm. where we all failed as farmers here originally, is nobody had the end customer. They had greedy seed buyers in the middle that would buy stuff and resell it. You know, and that's kind of what a distributor is. They come in and take all the gravy and then distribute it. And and that doesn't occur here. So find your customer. Reach find your customer. your customer. Reach them because that's why I reached out to you, Kathleen, was primarily like, how do we get to... How do we get our story out there? 
It's important. And now you're on the world famous Underswell podcast Underswell. radio show. I'm so proud to be here, product. dude. I don't know if you and have you enough. And you've got to use that the pooch putty on on that. Oh, trust me. It's oh, on, buddy, on it's going to be the ultimate. The yeah, we'll make a brand, and you'll be the label. <laughs> I tell you. Hey, how about what are the pros and cons of running a, a family business, an independently owned family business? Family. Family, <laughs> but I mean, that you so far success though three going on three generations though because uh, it's hard enough. You know what with was friends. really cool is my dad probably saw it as a great way to keep us all together. Mm. So my brother and my sister and I inherited this thing, and for years after he passed away, it always brought us together because it was such a nightmare. Yeah, because yeah. nobody thought of marketing, and I was so busy with you doing all this other stuff, and that I never paid attention to the farm. But finally, I got sick enough of graphics that. It was time to change, you know. I love it. What about, um, how about future plans then for you guys? Plan is to grow, to continue to grow. Are there other opportunities? I had edibles written in my note, but you didn't explain that a little bit about that. that. Did did you learn about the edible part? Well, yeah, I did. See, I got that. But I know, you know, they've come up with ways to do cottonseed, you know. So now that's becoming an edible. So is there there some days or something they do to it? But then we're talking about genetically modifying it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we'll you shouldn't eat the jojoba. Okay. You heard the stories already. Yeah. Okay. Clarification. Fine. Yeah, yeah. How about biopolymer? Um, could could you use Underst- it as a biopolymer or biofuels? Yes. Okay. Yes to it's both. It's absolutely. I don't understand biopolymer yet, but as a fuel source, because of the amount of carbon and the structure in the molecule, it's a natural for making biodiesel. Is it just, uh, you mentioned it before before we start recording, is it just too expensive right now? Way to, too expensive. Way too expensive. I mean, right now, the cost to grow jojoba is probably $100, $110 a gallon. I think we sell it online for 160 It's like, there's not much margin in it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no room for a distributor because it's so expensive. Um, the Navy approaches to do jojoba for their sixth fleet out here and wanted to know what it would take. So, you know, it was like 30 million acres of jojoba. And... To get the price down from $110 to $2 a gallon, uh, we all kind of thought that was a little difficult. Yeah. Knowing, you know, growing it for 30 years, you see all the headaches, and they see spreadsheets. It's a different thing. The military looks at it a little differently. Yeah. Uh, well, so. and, and speaking of that pragmatic <laughs> approach there, what advice do you have to people who, who've always dreamed of quitting their job and they want to be a farmer and move out there onto the field and, and grow do some crops? Do both. Do Me- both. Build one up. Get one surfboard ready before you can stand on the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It, I and when you say do both, though, do both what? Simultaneously, you know? Try to leverage your job. And, got uh, it, yeah. You know, take the extra time. you got to work the extra hours anyway to make it work. Sure. To jump ship and have no revenue and think the farm's going to pay for your ass, that's a tough challenge. Got it. You know, I don't know if that's... You know, maybe with some of these new modern uh, uh, growing hydroponically, like the lettuce growers I've seen yeah, that have grown yeah. into. This is probably, I don't understand the chemistry of the plastic and how that leaches into the water supply, running water all the time through plastic. But it seems to me that by stacking your food in a smaller area, you could probably be more effective financially to we grow. Just, we just watched something in our class um, where they were growing, somebody was growing tons of food because you can get so much yield out of these spaces. So growing them in these big columns and these right. huge warehouses and growing everything vertically, and yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, it might yeah, I mean, be. farming may go that way, right? Because externally, if you're growing crop products that are pest loved, or you know, <laughs> what do you do? I mean, now you got a real problem. You have to use pesticides. I think in an enclosed environment, you can control a lot of that. Yeah. Huh. 
lot of the, it's ripe for innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, anything new from you guys? Any new products coming? We've got the pooch putty and the the pooch potion. Anything else for people to uh, to keep an eye on? For? Well, we're working on our calendula infused jojoba. And calendula is marigold. It's a marigold. It's a flower, and it's uh, well known uh, for skin ailments, for helping dry, cracked skin. So um, we infuse it. We we put them in giant. We put the flowers in tea bags and soak it in jojoba for four months, and then we're at the stage now where we're trying to develop a filtering system to get the last piece of marigold out of the jojoba before we ship it, because. When I test the first batches, there's a little bit of granular in there that I'm not happy with. But, it's an exfoliant. But the concept of, of the calendula and the jojoba is stunning, and very few people are doing it. Really? Yeah. I, I like that. That part of the business is interesting to me where we infuse different products. Yeah. We're working on sandalwood. We're working on rose hips. And well, rose you've got buds. some here that have lavender or Those are actually essential oils. Essential oils. Which is an extracted oil from okay. the plant. And then ah. we just add the oil. Okay. The infusion is the actual plant soaking like tea. You know how tea works? A tea bag, yep. it changes. Yep. Same thing. We do that cold cold infusion long term. Cold infusion. And All right. That is may it... be the new fun, but we're only going to be able to make like three to five hundred bottles a Which year. Is okay, this is like craft brewing. Yeah, right? this will be like definitely. This stuff. will be where the winemaker comes out. Yeah. yeah. All right. How about this for the career builders? I'll we'll kind of uh, come down with this one. What do you? What have you learned along the way? Whether it's in business, relationships, and life. I mean, you've had a good long career in different spaces. What do we say to our young people out there who are just kind of getting started? Like, you know what? I'm. Well, what, be what passionate about whatever you're doing. Find the reason that it excites you. Follow it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Those are good words to end on. That's that's my motto for sure with my kids. I'm always like, don't give up. You can't. You, know, you can't. You, you just got to keep fighting. Yeah. Well, congratulations on a great product that you guys have. Thank you for your commitment to sustainable farming, the way you look out for your farmers out there, your commitment to certification, and just providing a good, safe product for your customers. And I applaud you for having a long-term family business. It's nice to see the family coming in, and, and it looks, seems like you guys have a great team, just friends and family. So it looks like it's a, it feels like it's a product made with love and really good energy. So I would urge everybody out there to uh, go try out your pure... <laughs> Jojo, I mean, jojoba. Jojoba from the Jojo Nut. (laughs) And Derek, thank you so much for making my first podcast so Uh, so pleasurable. What an honor. I'm glad you did it here. (laughs) I feel just totally refreshed. What an honor. Couldn't have done it with a more. So, where's that? What website? We'll put it all in the show notes, but where do people go to buy um, Pure Jojoba? Certainly online at purejojoba.com. We have a little presence on Amazon. Uh, And then we're locally available in Mother's Markets, uh, Southern. County, we're down in Temecula and Organic Roots. Um, How about through the rest of the country? Other no, uh, not too many. Mostly on the west coast. Uh, right? We have a lot of west coast. Uh, right. There's a couple co-ops in uh, New Mexico and little stores periodically around the place. Cool. Well, globally available on Amazon sounds like. And, uh, and if you're here in the neighborhood in Costa Mesa, you can come stop by and try out some of these samples. All right, guys. There you go. Kirk. And we have a coupon we wanted to. Yeah, we'll put, pass, we'll put it in oh, the show. We'll put it in the show. We wanted you guys to all uh, benefit from it. The Underswell. It's, I think your coupon the, code will be The Underswell. Oh, it's that, that we're in. calling it? You get a discount. Not the Derek uh, special, huh? The Der- yeah, the Derek <laughs> special. All right, guys. Kirk, thank you so much. Great thank having you. you. All right. a pleasure. To hear more stories like this or to learn more about our host, visit theunderswell.com.